podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Propo, good to see you, Matt. Uh, season's greetings and all that jazz. Um, should I read too much into the Derek Carr benching in relation to my role on SBK and Josh? <laughs> I mean, can you get injured giving picks? Do you have that capability? Are you that frail these days? That what, do your, Is your contract paid out fully if you get injured doing a podcast? It's, yes, it, yes, it is in answer to that question. And in answer to your first question, definitely. Uh, <laughs> the pressure I'm now under. Mainly, I mean, and this is conspiracy theory flying around, sure, but maybe... Coco and Pebble. So how close are they now to, to getting their their this, so you've got you you've now back to if you lose this week they they're doing taking it over because I go yeah. below five hundred for two seasons because you go below five hundred yeah okay so that's really where you know if you see me injured coming to this week coming to this weekend then there's trouble although I have to say and there's an asterisk on this because mm. initially. As you know, I was laughing excessively at the fact that you texted me. First of all, I don't think you knew what your Drew Lock was because you were texting about the over <laughs> when you had actually backed the Dolphins. Which I had, really, well, I'd yeah. back both. <laughs> yeah, you'd back both. You'd back the over and back the Dolphins. I'd back the over over 46. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I completely hold you completely responsible for the fact that that finished sure. on 46. Yep. But at the same time, at, initially, I was very, very much going to walk into this podcast, mm-hmm. taking the mick out of you slating you for the pick and the fact that you got so cocky early doors and you should never do that in the NFL. Mm, However... Say cocky, but yeah, go on. <laughs> you definitely were going to take the piss out of me. Let's just... I'm just rolling up our WhatsApp thread from... This, of course, is Christmas Day, gang. So... Yeah. We've already got the festivities out of the way, by the way. I don't just go full yeah. in with this. Yeah, this is fair. <laughs> this is fair. So... It was so I've got to wade through all the messaging from uh, the Iron Mike preview show... Uh, review show, I should say, where... Uh, I and Mike and I both battling colds. Mike particularly hit hard, and a lot of um, lot of reaction to his voice on. Have you, you've obviously listened to it properly. I thought you, I thought you'd sent me the wrong audio when you first sent it to me. Obviously, I wasn't on the podcast, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I downloaded the audio, listened to it, and I thought if you hadn't introduced it as Iron Mike, it genuinely could have been any other human being in the entire world except for Iron Mike, because his voice sounds like it's gone down like four octanes. Well, it has. Iron Mike, of course. Uh, compared himself to the great tom waits uh when he tweeted about it uh this was my favorite from well there are a couple of good ones actually uh the uh the t wolf uh chrissy trash a uh, long standing listener by the way so shout out to you chris uh, husky castle sports sounds like he belongs in pbs documentaries as a narrator which is a great shout he certainly definitely did that and then uh was hey he said i mike sounds like dex dexter from dynasty now you won't get that of course being no, a gen, gen zia uh, propo, but Dex Dexter, he, used to, he was a bad guy and he used to talk like this, which is basically how uh, Iron Mike sounded as well. So a lot of love there. Anyway, so I had to wade through all the um, all the messages you sent saying, you definitely sent me the right episode here. Anyway, so this is what uh, Propo said. Um, I can't wait to talk about this on Edge Rush if it doesn't come in. Biggest Nat jinx of all time. And then that was followed. I sent some replies. Ah, uh, I'm not watching. <laughs> <laughs> Just looking. This is all time, you said, when I'd written to you maybe an hour before saying the over is going to sail in at this rate. <laughs> um, bear in mind that you stole my Steeler picks, or I gifted that to you as my Christmas you gift. Gifted, to you. you gifted it to me, so you can't okay. claim that I stole it. I said I was more than happy for you to take it, and you said, yeah. no, you can have it because I'm also keen on the Dolphins, Packers over. But what I was getting yeah. to now, what that big sure. sell was. The next yeah. edge rush will be fun, you also concluded. And I sent a picture back of Tony Soprano smiling, and then he didn't reply after that. that <laughs> <laughs> They're always fun edge rushes, but I thought yeah. I could come in considering uh, how confident you were, obviously, going into the pick. Obviously, it's your team. Everything surrounding it was very mm. entertaining, considering what happened in the second half. However, what has materialized since has completely, obviously, changed uh, the view of that pick because I mm. think it's actually. Again, you could argue it's just another ridiculously bad beat, in other words, because I think... And I was watching, because obviously we're going to talk about Packers-Vikings in this episode, Mm. and you're looking at those interceptions, and I'm sorry, if you're going to tell me that his concussion didn't affect those throws, Mm. then you must be watching a completely different game. I mean, one of them, he misses Hill by about six yards uh, over him. So over, and you know, there's lots of stuff that's come out about it. I think 
by all accounts, everybody's saying it was that hit at the end of the first half again, mm. which is um, so logical. But n- you're not just the misfiring and the misthrows, but uh, apparently two is calling one play and then looking and, you know, totally for a different receiver, like just all over the shop. Now, again, more questions are going to come out. I know athletes are, are very good at masking this. The Jim Kelly story I've told you about, uh, about a million times where he called the same play six times in a row before he got yanked, but he got yanked in the eighties when there wasn't any concussion protocol and any of this hypersensitivity and rightly so to, to this situation in this condition. I just, I just baff beggars belief that he was allowed to be kept in the game. It just doesn't make any sense. So yeah, that does explain a huge amount because they were lights. Out. He was lights out good in the first half. And I thought, yeah, they're, they're they're rolling this, but what are you going to do? Waddle and Hill were absolutely torching this Packers' secondary as mm. well, and I thought Tua was playing amazingly. I mean, what Waddle and Hill had over a hundred yards each, yeah. still, yeah, which is just an indictment of how bad that secondary was playing. Well, how well Tua was playing outside of those interceptions, which ultimately cost them a game. But yeah, I was. I think that's key. I, I, yeah. I, yeah, yeah, of course you were. I expect you yeah. to, to obviously you go back. I appreciate you are. A, a man of grace, propo, and a learned man. So of course you're going to get that out there and be fair. But that there's a nice way to open the show. The piss taking, I'm sure, commence from now. From now 100%, 100%. on, hundred percent, one hundred percent. I would, I would, in my defense, like to say that we talked about that Steelers pick, which of course was your Drew Lock. So congratulations on that. And uh, which was also rolled... one of the luckiest picks, I think, of the weekend. To, very, to, uh, yeah. Very I mean, the lucky. Raiders were the right side there. Like that's yeah. one of those where you get away with it. Steelers got pretty lucky. I mean, we'll talk about Derek Carr in a second, but I mean, it was right that he can't seem to put it together in the cold weather. I mean, that mm. interception when he was going for Renfro in the last minute. I mean, that's going to be his last player as a Raider, it seems Yeah, now. it does seem that. Well, you know, let's get on to possible landing spots for him. Well, of course, we'll be picking our three games. We will hear from Crystal Tom. Another bad beat for Crystal Tom as well, right? I mean, Well, I'm, Crystal I'm... Tom had the Dolphins would have won the Acker for him if they yeah. had pulled it off against the Packers. And then also he took the Vikings against the Giants to mm. cover, I think, was it minus four, four and a half? And they, yeah. yeah, minus four and they only covered three. So, mm. yeah, Crystal Tom, I think six and three. I'm 11 and five. And uh, yeah, I've lost count of what yours is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, three and something. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, but uh, I will say overall, though, a good week. Uh, one of my strongest weeks in terms of in terms of my book, one of my strongest weeks. So uh, lucky, but hey, I'll take it given the bad luck I had in the Dolphins-Packers game. So lucky I went big on the Steelers. I really felt strongly about that. So so got away with that. Um, went big on the Rams, as you know, um, which, uh, which sailed in. Uh, so happy with that as well. The charges too, I took. This is um, what I took on in, in the book. I don't know how many of these picks we talked about on the show. I don't think you gave out any of these in Edrush. Well, okay. I'm just, just <laughs> sharing. I, I think of the Eagles, of course, which didn't come in. That was on Edrush yeah. as well. Yeah. But we were we were big on the Steelers. So I hope you came in there. How did the prop bets go for you? Prop bets went well. The touchdown Ooh. acker on Christmas Day was the only one not to come in. But I had yeah. Josh Allen score a touchdown and he came in against... The Bears, and I said TJ Hawkinson, I think it was to go over 45 and a half receiving yards and that cruised in. He also scored two touchdowns. So it was a decent day for the prop bets. Nice. We, we did do a Baker Bowl pick. I went Saints, didn't I, for my Baker Bowl pick from memory. Because in, in that weather you game, pick him. Yeah, 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 you did go Saints. So yours came in and you went hard on the Saints as well. I think that I went on the Washington Commanders, which obviously didn't come in. Change at quarterback for the Washington Commanders as well. Carson Wentz going to be starting there. For mm. them this weekend up against the Browns. Obviously, we're not happy about that on this show, we're being not. big Heineke fans. But we're not changing the name of the Acker just on that basis. No, we're not. Although it could be Wentz. I mean, it's going to be just as chaotic putting mm. Carson Wentz in there. I think it's an interesting move considering that one of the big issues for the Washington Commanders when Wentz was playing was the fact that he is prone to getting sacked all the time, and the offensive line seems to have got worse, especially for Heineke in recent weeks. So I think mm. that'll be an interesting going up against Miles Garrett. But at the same time, I think Heineke had lost a little bit of momentum. Uh, for those command for the commanders, the QB is almost like an interchangeable position because neither of them are excelling at this point. Other, mm. other, but on the other side of it, Jarrett Stidham is definitely not a better replacement for Derek Carr. Well, does that put Washington in the frame for Derek Carr then? If you think about his landing spots, I mean, teams that obviously need a quarterback, the Jets. So I haven't looked yeah. at the cap situation. Um, so uh, feel free. Uh, Capnicks to shout me out and say that's ridiculous, not going to be able to afford car. But it's assuming that we're, we're removing that for a minute in terms of from footballing reasons, teams that definitely need a quarterback. The Jets are in there, the Colts have mm-hmm. to be as well. Well, Would yeah, I think that- everyone's everyone's assuming that they're going to just trade away what is it like their eighth pick in the draft for Derek Carr? Yeah, or well, you think the Colts the most likely landing spot? 
It just feels like a natural progression for them, don't you think? Just to go from their list Rivers, of back so far, yeah. But also, yeah, ri- yeah, right. Rivers, Ryan, and then Carr, yeah, yeah. same kind of thing. Um, I guess the there's a list actually. NFL. Bucks. Yeah, the, so Eric Edholm has put a list of. Not, it's a quite a long list. Well, okay, fair to be fair to Eric, it's um eight or nine teams. So yeah, the Falcons, yeah, but I can't see him. Can't see him going there. I think he's going to go. Ah, uh, the Patriots is interesting. Patriots an interesting spot for him because uh, I can see. Well, again, it depends how Belichick plays his offensive coordinator situation. What would the report card be from McDaniel's to Belichick, or would Belichick, uh, would McDaniel's try and stitch up his old boss? Well, that's no. I think McDaniel's would definitely say it's not us, it's him, because I think the whole way this has played out has been quite frankly, ridiculous. And I'm surprised that you're not more pissed off considering you are the biggest Derek Carr fan of all time. I mean, Kenny Pickett, you must yeah. be, I mean, Kenny Pickett ending Derek Carr's career in Vegas <laughs> oh, must be your is... worst possible epic. situation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Des- despite the fact that obviously you want to bet on it, I still think that's your what your favourite quarterback against your least favourite quarterback. What is this? <laughs> ridiculous. At some point, this is going to get to Kenny Pickett's people. There'll be uh, an intern in Kenny Pickett's agent's office that listens to the show. And it's going to get to him. But this is going to be as embarrassing as when he tried to stitch me up in front of Mike Mayock. That's what, that's what <laughs> you're trying to do. Yeah, I can see it. I, can see I really it. hope Kenny Pickett's sitting behind us at one of the London games next year or Pittsburgh are coming uh, to the London game. Uh, something is said. I know you're right. I love I love Karin, as we've spoken about many times on the show. Do you not think this is ridiculous, what they're doing? What, moving on? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I do. Uh, but at the same time, I can understand. Well, I'm... Everything seems ridiculous until you see the full context, right? If the, there's a clear game plan, which there must be. No, there's not. There's not. It's just so they don't have to pay. It was either going to have to be McDaniels or Carr. And Mark Davis just didn't want to pay out McDaniels' contract because he gave him, obviously, a very long contract. And he'd have to pay him out a shed load for a first year. It's basically just a money-saving tactic. He saved more money by sacking Carr than he has by sacking McDaniels, especially. I know the contract situation, if Carr got injured in the last two games, they'd have to pay him 40 mil guaranteed instead of five. But I still think you've made the wrong choice there. McDaniels clearly is the issue at this point. I mean, look at what Derek Carr did last year. He took them to the playoffs amongst all of that insane stuff that was going on with Gruden, with Henry Ruggs. And he still had, what, an insane season for them. And he was the person who stood up and spoke about both the Gruden thing and the Henry Ruggs thing. He was the person who really has led this franchise through a really tumultuous period. You then go and sign his best mate, Devontae Adams, who, yes, I mean, you basically, you add Devontae Adams in a, yes, they haven't had Darren Waller for the whole season when you've got Hunter Renfro playing the way he was last year. Yeah. And yet somehow, okay, suddenly Hunter Renfro is not being able to get the same output. Suddenly Devontae Adams isn't necessarily working as well with his best mate, Derek Carr. I don't think you can necessarily blame that on Derek Carr. I think you have to kind of look at Josh McDaniels in this situation. Oh, sure. Sure. I mean, every single thing you said, Propo, is fair and valid. And and you know how I feel about Carr. I think he is has been grossly underrated for much of his career. And as you touched on, had demonstrated that he's an absolute leader, which is an underestimated part of the quarterbacking position, right? As we've seen quite evidently from, I don't know, Aaron Rodgers this season, right? Yeah. So he definitely, my point is he has the locker room. He has um, clearly delivered in challenging circumstances year on year, but as they're not going to move away from McDonald's after one year. A, a lot of this, it doesn't make sense. I, of course, for what's, what's his, what's he on the hook for 33 million, I think, right. Is that the, yeah. so it is mathematics often is in football and it often doesn't make any logical sense on the surface. But at the same time, if it comes down and God, this happened a lot in, if we're led to, you know, if, if we're led to believe a lot of the, really close to the story reporting that came out at the time uh, Seth Wickersham I think was was the the main ESPN writer close to it with the whole Kraft Belichick Brady situation and go back mm. to the you know the Garoppolo they were getting that close to to rolling out Brady and keeping Garoppolo and and the issues that that created and of course Garoppolo was the one that was shown the door at the end but there are power struggles internally is yes, of course it's about the money, but it isn't just about the money. The optics of we're going to get rid of McDaniels after one year. Do I want to get rid of McDaniels, find another head coach? How's Carr going to deliver there? He obviously feels Davis obviously feels that. And if also you factor in the, the apparent locker room dysfunction that's coming up too. And if you've seen reports flying around there as well, there are players that are openly saying they can't wait to be out of there. Next Josh season. Jacobs. 
one was of the stars was it, of the was Jacobs? Was it Jacobs? Uh, no, it was Josh I Jacobs. Sure. I, I, was, I thought it was just speculation. Is it officially, was that Jacobs? Okay. It was Josh Jacobs. Devontae Adams has just gone on Instagram and basically said, the only reason I came to Vegas was for yeah. Derek Carr, so I'm basically on my way as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I, I, I think we knew that was going to happen. So they're, they're blowing it up and, and rebooting, and he's therefore backing McDaniels with, who is, let's remember, one of the great offensive coordinators, not just of his generation, but of but of all time certainly in terms of success right the, you can't give him one season unless he goes all urban Meyer on you and, and blow it up so they've backed the long play the Raiders are going to suck for a couple of years probably and they'll let McDaniels reboot it in the way that he wants and get a young quarterback probably I mean maybe they'll have some kind of caretaker interim type gig in the short term you know maybe mm. I mean that's interesting. Who might go to the Raiders if they even if they do draft a rookie? Do they go with a Garoppolo type in the short term? Mind you, Garoppolo's going to cost them a fair a fair whack. It will be more of a I don't know. Like I suppose what the Falcons did with Mariota, that kind of level of deal. I'm trying to think who's that. Yeah, I don't see them. I mean, I don't necessarily believe that they're smart enough as an organization from what they've done in recent years to be able to pull this off. But I guess the one argument you could say is they get an interim quarterback for next season, essentially tank and then go in the Caleb Williams uh, lottery pick thing. Cause like Mm. they just tank for Williams because Williams by all accounts is going to be an absolute stud Mm. and he leaves for the 2024 draft. So I guess that could be what they're doing. But at the same time, I just think there's just an element of disrespect to Derek Carr here. Oh, there definitely is. I can't get over considering that he's had, I think Dan Olofsky tweeted it last night since he entered the league. He's had the 32nd ranked defense in the league. He's had no better than 20th ranked defense in the league since he entered the league. The Raiders have never really given him a decent situation around him apart from you would say potentially this year this except year, they've obviously yeah. had the wrong head coach I think he had a 68% completion average up until this year and now he's got a 60% completion average and yes you can say Derek Carr maybe he's fallen off a cliff but I think you have to look at the coaching change and what McDaniels has done to this offense I think wherever Derek Carr goes and I know we joked about the Indianapolis Colts thing I think the one thing that Derek Carr can always give you is he can win you any game of football. I do think there's the chance he can also lose you any game of football. Mm. But if you put him into a stable organization, mm-hmm. with a decent defense, and all he has to do is sort of game manage and do a sort of Brock Purdy level job in the 49ers or a Garoppolo level job, like I don't see any reason why he can't take you deep in the playoffs. Patriots. <laughs> Patriots can be interesting, but they don't actually have enough talent on their team right now. Yeah, everyone, do... yeah. Well, yeah, they yeah they would definitely need to re up off in terms of some key offensive positions. But yeah, uh, I all this Patriots hate. I mean, they uh, that was another lucky break for us because obviously we were big on the Bengals as well, right? I mean, the Patriots. Oh should, my should, goodness! Yeah, no, uh, there was game. no way that the Bengals should have covered that game. I mean, Joe Burrow is now. I think he's he literally paid for people's Christmases because he must be the best mm. public coverer in the past 16 years because Joe Burrow is doing crazy things. There's no way they should have covered that game. And it was incredibly stressful to watch as a Bengals fan. Jeez, because he was just so comfortable for the first half and then suddenly so comfortable. But I said it last week. I said, if the Patriots yeah. cover all the shots run, it's going to happen in some really weird ways. And that's exactly what happened. But somehow the Bengals got away with it. And it was uh, right. sensational. One of the jammiest touchdowns of all time. That kind of touchdown is the one that would be typically scored against me, against the team that I'm, back, <laughs> I'm backing, which of course it was because I was big on the Bengals. I thought, oh God. <laughs> Will go. Gavin on TalkSport 2 tried to claim to me that that was on purpose when it initially oh. happened because mm. I obviously screeched. I know, I know I know, what he means. I know exactly what Will means because obviously I was watching it, watching it with that game with my kids actually and that is exactly how I called it. Complete freaksville. But there was an element of intent at the last minute. There was an element of intent at the no, last minute. No, there was minute. not. I think that I think there was no. It was good from Myers to be in that position. I'll give him that. But it there was absolutely no intent. Mm, I'd say there's a twenty. No, because it came off. Essentially, came off the Bengals' defensive player's hand. Yeah, I need to uh, hang on. I want to. No, don't rewatch it. It Don't. I don't need to relive this. We won the game. Move on. We're playing the Bills this week. Okay, I'm. I'm going to take a closer look at that. I uh, I urge listeners to do that as well at the NC show. Let us know whether you think. There was no intent from that receiver to push it back to Myers. Absolutely. I think think there was. I I disagree. I think there was. I think think at the last minute there was, a last second, split second there was, and it was an instinctive, instinctive. I don't think it was obviously no design. It wasn't in his mind until the last second, and then there was instinct, and he did, is is my This is like you trying to claim 
full total control of the Bengals covering that game. That's essentially what you're trying to do. So and they were always <laughs> going to cover. Did it come in? Did it I come knew in? they were always going to cover. I did got it come it right. in. I did, well, I did. Another <laughs> another win for me. Uh, okay, let's start with a really really fascinating game, which we probably didn't think we'd be saying three or four weeks ago, but now it is going to decide the NFC South. Now, for all Iron Mike's very logical, who cares about these teams that are limping in sixth and seventh in the playoffs because they're going to be one and done. We love a play-in game. We love a deciding mm. game. And that's basically what we're talking about, even if the NFC South absolutely stinks. And I think this is particularly compelling, Propo, because the Bucks are so bad. Brady, the great Tom Brady, so bad. Is, is in disarray, dysfunction central. And the Panthers, despite everything playing pretty well you know that defensively they're playing well they're running the ball as the lions can attest to uh, extraordinarily well they've got an interim head coach who might have done enough to land the gig full time so there are a lot of really interesting narratives swirling around here all the sharps are presumably on the panthers right no not necessarily Hmm. no i'd say the public uh, i'd say the public have switched now because Probably because, as I did, I mean, I have no idea why they didn't. I know you, I, it's Christmas, so you probably can't, but I don't know why they didn't flex Packers-Dolphins until the evening because uh, that would have made my life 10 times easier because I did end up watching the bulk of Tampa Bay versus the Arizona Cardinals with mm-hmm. my cousins who are big basketball fans. So we had the Celtics-Bucks game and then nice. Bucks-Cards. But the problem was is they're big basketball fans and they don't like the NFL. And do you know how hard it is to sell people oh my the God. NFL when you're was watching Bucks-Cards? Yeah. It was just awful. Oh, it was horrendous to watch. I mean, Trace McSorley is definitely not the guy for Arizona, that has to be <laughs> yeah. said. And uh, you would say the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they're so frustrating to watch. They're so sluggish. And I think the fact that that was such a sort of a public display of incompetence by Tampa Bay, that mm. I think the public are now aware of after what Carolina did to Detroit and Detroit were the public's team going into that week. Right. Once you have Carolina doing that with all eyes on them, I think realistically people have realized that the Carolina Panthers actually might be a better football team, all things considered than Tampa Bay, because at least they've got an identity. As you said, mm. Steve Wilkes has an established an identity in Carolina, which is run the ball and play good defense. And I think that when you take that, against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who seemingly don't have that. Tom Brady doesn't seem to have time to do anything. He can't seem to get Mike Evans. I mean, Mike Evans has had three touchdowns this this season. I said it last week. That is insane considering he had 13 and 14 in the past two. Chris Goldwyn couldn't get going. They can't get the run game going. I mean, Fournette got a little bit at the end in the receiving Mm. game as well. But still, it looks so sluggish whenever you're watching Tampa Bay play football. So I think that, I mean, the tickets and the cash are essentially both on Carolina here, but the mm. line is staying at three. And I think there's no right. stinks now. I think, I think considering what everyone believes about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at this moment in time, considering what everyone believes about the Carolina Panther, Panthers, I think the bookies are setting a trap here. I mm. don't think this line should be three. I think it should be almost closer to a pick them. One and yeah. a half, two. The fact that it's three scares me because we should reiterate in, in case it isn't obvious that this game is in Tampa right so that it is. Uh, so that is why I, I completely agree it should be a pick of I guess looking at the case for the Bucks here two things really jump out the fact that if it is going to be tight are you backing are you backing Brady or Donald yeah that's the yeah but in all seriousness the and taking the um anecdotal out of it look at the number of specific game-winning drives with this creaky old Bucks team that the Brady, the only success really they've had this season has been in that situation. And albeit, I think one of my baddest beats was exactly, was exactly that, right? Um, if you look at the numbers that, that underpin that, so this was something via a piece of saw on The Athletic, the Bucks rank ninth in EPA per play when in no huddle situations, 29th when they're not, right? So in other words... In that kind of situation, two-minute drill type thing, everything's on the line. Brady still can still work it. So that's that's point one. Donald's been competent. They haven't turned over the ball, but it is very limited in terms of scope and ambition. So you can chug along through a game with a good ground game underpinning that and solid defense, but game on the line, are you going to back Donald or Brady with a two-minute drill? So that's point one. The second argument, I guess, is we saw the Panthers run all over the Lions, but this Bucks D, pretty good against the run, right? It's top mm-hmm. 10 against the run. So if you are falling into the camp of they will 
at least limit what the Panthers can do on the ground. Again, you go back to Darnold. It's small ball. It's dink and dunk. The under, this this is a number you probably aware of, Propo, but I loved it. The Bucks have hit the under 11 times this season. Yeah, I know. <laughs> wow. So what is the total in this game? So the total is at 40 and a half. Interestingly, we're seeing quite a lot of money coming in on the over, which doesn't make much sense apart from the side mm. that the Panthers have been able to put up some points in recent weeks, especially yeah. over the Seahawks and the Lions. But I think we're looking at two very different defenses in the Lions and the Seahawks compared to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This team already combined for only 24 points earlier this campaign when Tom Brady had an absolute meltdown. Uh, pretty much. And one thing that's interesting, Kev, this is what I'm going to throw out there. I know you're not a massive fan of these, but this one is quite funny. And Here it's we go. weird. It is weird. Tampa Bay. In the last 28 no, years. No, no, no. It's on. actually not. It's actually not in the last. Okay. It's this season. I think it's this okay. season or maybe a little bit last season. But Tampa Bay is 1-9-1 and one against the spread in its last 12 games played on a Sunday. <laughs> which actually is probably most much of the season that which that's is what crazy. i'm saying but it's still just crazy isn't it the Why? fact that you've got a tom brady team going <laughs> one nine or one against the spread on a sunday makes absolutely no sense but i have to say i can see where you're leaning here and i am mm. leaning with you i think the fact that everyone's on the panthers i think the fact yeah. that everyone's out on the bucks i think the fact that this as we saw last week, we saw a huge win by the Panthers and a huge, well, yeah, they, they beat the cards, but it wasn't exactly an impressive fashion, mm. especially going up against Trace McSorley. And I think that the Carolina Panthers are a very different team on the road as well. Mm. When they're on the road, they go just one and five away from home and their road offense is only scoring 19 points per game. And that's against significantly worse teams than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And they have a minus minus 7.5 scoring margin in a week, in away games. And that's the league's mm. fourth worst do you know what I will probably do? And this is just one to kind of keep an eye on is I'll hope because all the money's coming in on Carolina, that this number gets down to two and a half. I think yeah. this is probably a field goal game, but I like, yeah. as you've said, because it's Tom Brady, I like Tom Brady to actually get it done in this matchup with all the pressure on the line. As you've said, no huddle, all of those stats lean towards me going with a Tampa Bay three point victory. So I'll probably wait, see if I can get that two and a half because the money's mm -hmm. coming in on Carolina. But yeah, I think it's probably going to be Tampa Bay in this one for me. And I'll probably go on the under. I think I'll go on the under most likely. I don't think that Carolina are going to be able to score as much as they did obviously last week. I don't think Sam Darnold's going to have nearly as much success in the passing game. And I also think that Tom Brady will be able to get enough done, but still that offense is not good enough to be free scoring. A big loss for Carolina is obviously they don't have JC Horn, who's one of the best shutdown corners in the league. So I think Chris Godwin could have some success against his Panthers defense. But yeah, I'm leaning mm. with you with Tampa Bay. Yeah, me too. Um, love your point on a lot of money coming in. So if it goes to two and a half, all over that, all over yeah. the bucks there. I mean, Given how everything we've said about Tampa Bay, is it one of my stronger picks of the week? No. Probably not. But I might have I might have a little taste. I might have a little taste on that. Uh, okay. Let's go to the, no doubt, the game of the weekend. Hopefully one of the games of the season. You're going to be watching it, presumably. What what kind of stake do you get in for a game like this, Propo? Your Bengals up against the Bills. A lot riding on it. Are you comfortable looking at it? through uh, just normally as you would? Are you kind of watching it at key moments through your fingers behind the sofa? Do you have to go into another room and pace up and down when there's a key moment? I mean, I've worked a lot with you and I've watched, it's difficult because you're working. So behind the glass, I can see <laughs> yeah. your face, your focus, um, your your um, vis visibly demonstrating all manner of emotions throughout the course of a Bengals game. And I can tell exactly what's happened in that Bengals game based on <laughs> your face, even though I can't hear you. But what about what about a game like this? Because it's Monday night football, of course. So you won't be working. You'll be you'll be chilling. And I know it's late night UK. But what's the propo approach to this game? Well, it depends if I'm in a household where I've got to be quiet for because that's the best about NFL isn't it when you stay up for the late game and I'll be honest with you I haven't stayed up for many of the primetime games so far mm. this season because they've all seemed to have been pretty abject in terms of a matchup going into it whereas this is one of as you said one of the games of the season so I've had this marked down for a while I knew this was going to be one of the games of the season so mm. I've actually got the day off on the second as well because I'm not on the third I can't 
I'm not like most people who can stay up till 4 a.m. and then wake up at 7 a.m. and just have a normal day. I do need yeah. my, I do need my beauty sleep. You do so the best thing about the NFL is that thing, those silent celebrations, you know, you have to do sometimes or those like yeah, yeah, yeah. screams. Like you can have a compilation, like a comedy sketch compilation of people at 3 a.m. in their <laughs> living room. With, I love like, it. Other people have kids asleep. I have flatmates asleep. I have my mum asleep or someone there. And you have to scream at the ref, but completely silently or like whispering. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> you're just terrified of waking anyone up. So that is one thing that you definitely is like, if I'm painting the picture of what my scenario will be like, I usually will have a little bit of food as well. I might order mm-hmm. a pizza, say, earlier on, and then I can have like a little bit later on. So I'll have a little bit of food, a couple of beers. Oh, just to be clear on the pizza, Hawaiian, are you good? I've never Absolutely asked you no chance I'm having oh. a Hawaiian pizza. I'm actually very boring. I'm, I, 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 some people Pepperoni. say boring. I call it Italian. I just love a plain margarita. <laughs> it's, oh, fair enough. Yeah. I think it depends on, that's high risk going straight margarita though. It is, but and, it could be really great or terrible depending on where you get it from. Love Pizza Pilgrim. Shout out to them, the heavyweights. Uh, and I know that Gav, the MD of Pizza Pilgrim, is a massive Cowboys fan as well. And I know he listens to the show. So, saluting you uh, and the Pizza Pilgrim's crew, Gav. The P- uh, Purezza guys are good as well. They're vegan pizza. They got a joint in Camden. They got one in Brighton as well. If you listen to a South Coast, and I think in Manchester, I think Purezza got a place in Manchester. So, I would give them give them a shout as well yeah it'll probably be a pizza when i'm watching uh bengals versus bills but it's going to be incredibly stressful not as stressful as a playoff game like i've watched like i I think back to watching that Kansas city chiefs bengals game i was actually at work Mm. we were about to produce the later game the nfc championship game and i remember that level of stress was way too high obviously incredible Mm. moment as well we did the raiders bengals game when jermaine pratt obviously got that interception so i usually am working for these so this is a quite Mm. good opportunity the only issue is, is when it's 1.20 a.m. and say I've started drinking at 8, I'm, I'm probably going to be pretty drunk. Yeah. Okay, that's <laughs> what I expect. I expect kind of rambling WhatsApp messages from Propo at 2 in the morning. Are you going to um, stay up for it, do you think, if you're feeling better? Yeah, I think I will. I'm like you, certainly Monday Night Football. I do, uh, as we've talked a bit about, I do like I do like a sneaky listen. Maybe this is just some kind of connection to when I was a kid and um afn and listening to crackly super bowls when i was meant to be fast asleep but there's something i love about listening to football on the radio or listening to the audio of, of the football and i will do that on monday night football if i wake up in the night i'll, I'll whack it on and listen to you know a quarter or 30 minutes or whatever but that's kind of the extent with with everything that's going on it's quite unsustainable to to stay up all night and do it yeah it is um, but this is the yeah in the holidays that's the exception right so yeah i think i think for this i will yeah um I'm going to convince my friends who I'm staying with on the second because he's just got engaged, which is scary mm. at my age. People are getting engaged. I'm getting to that like pressure. point in my life. I'm going to start going to weddings and stuff. Yeah, yeah I don't, not, I don't oh, like that's it. the pressure really cracks up. No, yeah, especially Christmas, getting asked by grandparents and everyone like that. When are you going to get married? Uh-huh. All that kind of stuff. I really don't want to. Like, I just don't talk about it. It's all scaring me. It's terrifying. You don't, what, you don't want to get married? I don't want to grow up, Nat. I don't want to grow up. <laughs> You'll never grow up. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to do any of this stuff. This all sounds way too adult, but yeah, we're going to go celebrate his engagement. And the last time I'm, I managed to convince him to stay up with me to watch an NFL game the last time, mm. it was the Rams Patriots Super Bowl. Mm. And obviously it's quite hard when no one's, when someone's never watched an NFL game before to explain, no, this is one for the, the purists. No, no, this is a tactical masterclass from Bill Belichick when it's sort of 13-3 in the fourth quarter. Right. It's quite a hard sell at that at 4.30 in the morning. So I'm going to promise him the Buffalo Bills, Cincinnati Bengals is going to be high flying game, two of the best quarterbacks in the league. And then probably what's going to happen is it's going to be a low-scoring defensive matchup. You know? Oh, it was sod's law. It, it almost certainly will be. But you never. He might. I might still convert him. He might be a. Might be a defensively minded kind of cat. Hey, listen for um Bills Bengals. I've obviously got to go straight away to AZ Central, my favorite website. Oh. <laughs> this, is, this is one of my favorite quotes from AZ Central. This is one of the better matchups of Week Seventeen. <laughs> amazing. That's amazing. Uh. Both of these teams are playing great football. But oh I like my the goodness. But I like the Bills in this one. And this is my favorite part of all. And even better than this is one of the better matchups. It's the be- <laughs> one of the better matchups of It's literally the best matchup, and it's probably one of the best matchups of the year. Panthers Bucks is close. Um the Bengals will have their hands full stopping Josh Allen passing and running. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, this must be some AI. It, it has must to be. be. It has to be AI. Oh boy! Oh goodness! Okay, so let's um let's start with it. firstly the line and the total. So 
what is it currently? Where's the money come in? Is there any movement on it? So it's a pro Joe split, very yeah. much so, and I am not happy about it. It's basically you've got Cincinnati at plus one and a half, which considering they're at home, I think will come as a surprise to most. I think if you actually ask the general public right now for the consensus, you would have the Bengals as favourites because they're playing the better football going into this. They're obviously on a seven-game win streak going up against a Buffalo Bills team. Yes, they're also on a win streak themselves, but Josh Allen hasn't been playing his best football in recent weeks. Yes, they've been in very difficult weather conditions, but some of his mm. passes were pretty boneheaded, I'd actually describe them as, last week. There was one where he just threw one into the Bears' defensive player's back, and it just looked like a completely pointless throw that was guaranteed an interception, but the Bears player didn't turn around in time. And I thought that Josh Allen actually hasn't looked as good he did earlier in the season. That being said, he's still Josh Allen, and I still expect him to play excellent when it comes down to it in a critical period against the Cincinnati Bengals team. So, yeah, all the tickets are on Cincinnati. 65% of the tickets on Cincinnati. All the cash is on Buffalo. 88% of the cash. That means we're seeing big money coming mm. in on the Bills in this game against Cincinnati. Over, under... <laughs> Lines at 49 and a half, 80% of tickets on the over, 89% of tickets on the under. So very much a pro-Joe split. All the Joes are on Cincinnati. They're on the over. They're expecting a shootout and they're expecting Joe Burrow to win this game. And all of the pros are saying, hold on a minute. Everyone's a bit too high on the on Joe Burrow, on these Bengals. They didn't perform that well against the Patriots last week. Josh Allen still in the big games this season has come up trumps. He's already beaten the Chiefs. And also Buffalo Bills defensively have looked very, very strong in certain situations. So it's likely that this game is kept relatively low. The under is seven and one in their last eight games on the road. Seven and one in the last yeah. eight on the road. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So what do you say the total was? 49 and a half. Mm, okay. And weather situation? The weather seems to be fine, realistically, okay. which is going to be the first week in what, three for the Buffalo Bills when they're playing in normal weather. It's a it's a fascinating game. So the Bills are two and five against the spread in their past seven following a win, mm. while the Bengals are five and oh against the spread in their last five home games. I do think this line disrespects the Bengals a little bit because I think what they're saying is the Bengals aren't used to games in these situations, whereas Buffalo Bills are a little bit more experienced. They've probably got the better head coach. They're slightly more talented on defense. Yes, the Bengals have issues at offensive line. They've lost level. Collins, yeah, energies coming in, and everyone's making. I swear, whenever there's an offensive line injury on the Bengals, everyone makes a huge deal about it. When it's on another team, no one really pays that much of an attention. But yeah, it's a big loss. How big a loss is it? Do you think, having watched every game uh, of the season, it's been clearly one of the most improved elements of a, an already successful team? So, how big a loss is he going to be? Leo Collins was. Good. He wasn't excellent for us. I don't mm. think he quite lived up to expectation. However, he was still a passable right tackle, which is obviously an incredibly important position. Hakeem Adeniji, now he gave up three sacks to Aaron Donald in the Super Bowl. Right. That is Aaron Donald, and he played at left guard. He was very poor last season. That being said, he went into this season, obviously into the preseason, with a high chance of losing his job. And the way that he played in preseason succeeded the his uh, opposition or his competitors and he also played very efficiently and also he's playing at a different position now he's playing at right tackle he was playing at left guard in the Super Bowl and for the majority of uh, the playoffs last season where he was exposed and he was very much maligned mm. this is a different position entirely and the tape we've seen from him so far this season and in preseason suggests that, yes, he's not Leo Collins otherwise he'd obviously be starting ahead of him mm. but he's not as bad as people are suggesting going into this week and I think that he can do a serviceable role for the rest of the season I don't think we need to press the Andrew Whitworth button which everyone seems to be suggesting is the obvious thing that the Bengals do at this point to come and get him to bring him out we're way too far that's not gonna happen is it I mean it's not gonna happen I mean maybe if it was week 10 that there was a chance that something like that would happen you would press the emergency button but we know what we've got in Adenergy. And I think they would have predicted, this is a well-run enough organisation at this point, that they would have predicted mm. that if we do lose one of these offensive linemen, we don't have anyone to cover them. 
going down to the playoffs. I mean, you assume you're going to lose at least one of them, I guess, during the playoff run. Mm. So they probably would have pressed that button earlier, whereas I think they believe they have enough energy and they also have support for him by having Kappa next to him, who's obviously a much better right guard than he had last season. You've got Ted Karras, who calls the game much better from centre, the Patriots' experienced centre. Obviously, left guard, you've got Coldell Volson, who's played well enough as a rookie. He's been very much exceeded expectations, obviously not one of the best in the league, but still playing well. Jonah Williams, again, hasn't had the best season at left tackle the former first round pick mm. he's playing well enough to provide Joe Burrow that pure pocket passer with time to get the ball out Joe Burrow is also one of the quickest throw of the balls in the league I think he gets out second quickest in the league so that takes pressure off offensive line this offense has adapted to sort of allow for an offensive line not necessarily being that successful Adenergy will be okay I believe I just think this is a terrible matchup going up against Gregory Rousseau who is one of the better edge rushers on that side in the league and I do think think that is terrifying I think there's a couple of matchups in this game which don't favor Cincinnati and they do favor the Buffalo Bills I also think it will affect the run game because I think Leo Collins was excellent in the run game yeah uh, for us just because he's a huge body and he can get downhill I don't think identity is going to be able to do that and I think that means that our run game will be even worse but yeah, as you can tell, Nat, by that nervous uh, sort of mumble rant, I am uh, pretty nervous about this game. It's wise to be cautious, I think. The, the rush is interesting, and you obviously know Von Miller f- f- for the Bills. I wonder if, um, you know, I wonder if the line will hold up as much as it needs to. It's a great point you make about the speed of, of Burrow's release, but equally a really interesting point about how much the Bengals can establish a ground game. But let me flip that. How effective do you think the Bills' ground game can be including Allen in the mix as well against the Bengals D. So obviously the Bengals have one of the best run defenses in the league. And that is largely thanks to DJ reader, who I personally believe as I think everyone has their own person on their own team, who is the biggest pro bowl snub. But I do think DJ reader is a huge pro bowl snub because he has been no incredible. Yeah. yeah. And when you haven't seen, when we hasn't played for us this season due to injury, you've seen the effect he has. Yeah. One of the best shutdown runners in the league. He was sensational against the Patriots last week. He was critical in that all-important play against Ramondre Stevenson. Yeah. And he will be vital in this game. You also have our two linebackers, Logan Wilson and Jermaine Pratt, who have been phenomenal this season so far as well. And they should be critical in stopping Josh Allen in the run game. I think the Bills actually lead in yards per carry. I think they're something like 8.7 yards per carry, but that's largely because of what Josh Allen gives them. Right. I honestly think that we can take away the run. I think, yes, James Cook and Devin Singletree, what they give you is quite unique because essentially they're the same type of player. They can both be sort of good in the passing game and the running game. And I don't think that you rule anything out of the playbook when they get on the field, as opposed to like a Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott, where you know that they're not, they're going to do two different things. James Cook and Devin Singletree are going to basically, they can do everything. So you can't rule anything out as a defense when you're going up against them, which obviously offers more problems when you've also got Josh Allen available to run the ball. However, I trust Luana Rumo to be able to take that away because we have the talent to do so on the field, because we're not that banged up in the defensive front or in the linebacking core. And we've got a lot of talent there. My issue is you're getting a Josh Allen who necessarily hasn't played that well passing the ball in recent weeks. However, we still know what he is capable of. And also you have to take into account the weather in the past couple of games. If the weather's fine in Cincinnati on Monday night, which it looks like it's going to be, Mm -hmm. you have Stefan Diggs and Gabe Davis going up against Eli Apple and rookie Cam Taylor Britt. Mm. Rookie Cam Taylor Britt's been impressive, but he's still very... He's, he looks like a rookie, you know? Yeah. He's going to make an amazing play and then he's going to make completely balls up a play. Yeah. And Stefan Diggs is going to exploit that nine times out of 10. He's going to exploit Eli Apple being the same. He's good on certain plays and then terrible on the next. And I think when you've got a passer like Josh Allen and you've got receivers like Gabe Davis and Stefan Diggs, I think there's a high chance that they can have a lot of success. And I think if the Bills don't try and force anything, that's what we've seen Josh Allen doing in recent weeks. If Mm. Josh Allen just takes the short gains, if he just gets Stefan Diggs open on the corner out, if he gets Gabe Davis open on the corner out, then I think things will materialize for the Bills because of the fact that they'll tire out this defense and they will be able to keep moving the sticks, keep Joe Burrow off the field, but that being said, Nat, don't you think this game was just going to be... And this is the brilliance of this game. And it's the brilliance of supporting Cincinnati. Whoever's got the ball last, do you yeah, think they're going to win? I think it is. I mean, I, I'm obviously going to have the Joe play of the over. You know, it's a re- it's interesting to listening to you. And there are 
I've certainly seen read a couple, maybe even three different articles about what's happened with Stefan Diggs. Why isn't he being targeted? Look at statistically, you know, he was non-existent at the Bears game. I think he had two targets in that game. What's happened to this Buffalo? It's just made up for Diggs. Eight oh, catches, 141 100%. yards, two touchdowns. I can just see that see that happening. I might get might get a little Diggs prop bet going proper. You should. Yeah. You should. The was out. There you go. Add that to the prop bet. Stefan Diggs score a touchdown and have a yeah. big game. I think yeah, it's yeah. almost... Over 100 so. yards and a yeah. touchdown. There Do you know go. what's interesting, to, though, going into... Um, saying whoever's got the ball last will win the game. Mm. There's actually quite a big distinction I was looking at between the two quarterbacks in the fourth quarter. And obviously this is favoring Burrow because it's my yeah, statistic yeah, and yeah, it's propaganda. But yeah, Burrow versus Allen in the fourth quarter. Burrow's got a 71.1 completion percentage, got 11 touchdowns, two interceptions at 117 passer rating. Josh Allen has a 58% completion percentage, five touchdowns, four interceptions at an 80 passer rating. So I'm just saying, if it comes down to the fourth quarter... Joe Burrow seems Joey to be Burr. more clutch. Joey Burrow. Okay. Are you, are you, are you going to take this game? Are you going to take anything? So what it? I'm definitely going to do is tease the Bengals up. 100%. Mm. Because I okay. think this is going to be a field goal game. I think this is going to be a close game. I yeah. am, The only reason why I like the over, despite the fact that it is the, the Joe's... Um, the Joe support or like that's the Joe side yeah. is because I think both these teams are just going to have to pass the ball. I don't think either team's going to be able to establish the ground game as well as they would hope to. Yeah. And I think that lends itself towards a pass heavy game and a high scoring game. And I think that the Joe Burrow can have some success with his receivers as well. I like it to go over as well. And I also think it'll just be a lot of fun. I'm going to stay up and just want points, 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 but I will tease the Bengals definitely plus seven and a half with someone else. Haven't quite decided who that is going to be just yet. So I'll tease there. Maybe even the Baltimore-Pittsburgh Steelers game, just because I see that being relatively close. Mm. Um, so I'll tease the Bengals up, and then I'll probably end up taking the Bengals just because it's me and I'm staying up to 1am yeah. to watch it. Yeah, I, lo- I like the Bengals, I have to say. Oh, I don't know if that's going <laughs> to give you give you the shakes, but I do. I, I like... Um... I like the Bengals in this spot. I think they're going to be able to, I agree. I think neither team's going to be able to, to move the ball, particularly on the ground. That obviously favors Allen because he'll still get something going anyway. Yeah, exactly. But relatively speaking, I think both sides are going to be diminished. And I think in the way they're playing right now in that shootout uh, kind of style. And yeah, it is set up for Diggs to have a big game as well. Maybe the over is the play too. I might, I might play the over. If it stays under 51, I think I'm probably going to play the over. Yeah, I think I agree with you. I might even take the over now just for a little bit of fun. But the thing, the cash is coming in on the under, so it might go down. We'll see. Just get in there before Monday because you know on Monday the money's just going to fly in on the over because everyone will be like, oh, Buffalo Bills, Cincinnati Bengals, Joe Burrow versus Josh Allen. I'm going to bet the over. Yeah, I was going to get in there now. Get in quick. All right. Before we do our other game and the Taylor Heineke Acker and the Drew Locks and everything else, just a couple couple of bonus little things. So we're recording this Thursday. So this will date, but for those listening on the actual day itself, the Cowboys all the way to cover against the Titans without Henry today, right? Nine and a half, the spread. Uh, I don't know, mate. It's 12 and a half, the spread now. It's got to, it's got to 12 and a half now. Yeah, yeah, okay, it's 12 right. and a half. It's 12 and a half. I don't know. You just never know. Tennessee Titans at home. It's Mike Vrabel. People are saying that Mike, I mean, Mike said on the show, Mike Vrabel might get sacked. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the Tennessee Titans, as much as I don't think Malik Willis can actually throw downfield. And I think the Mm. Cowboys should be able to completely stunt this team's offensively. It's just a quite a big sure. number, and it's uh, okay. just so much. Shot up, I guess, with yeah. it, and figures it shot up with Henry. But yeah. no, got up three points for that Henry. Wow. Okay, that says quite a lot. Uh, all right. Uh, similar note: the Chiefs. We talk about how the Chiefs rarely cover double-digit spreads. Of course, managed to do that last time out. Uh, and Denver, no Hackett in Kansas City, twelve and a half. Last time I looked. 12 and a half it is. And that's a pro Joe split game as well. All of the tickets are on KC and all of the cash is on Denver. That number's actually come mm-hmm. down from 13 and a half as well. I just don't know if I can ever back Denver again. I mean, they're just, yeah. it's like, that is honestly self-torture, you know? Like, are yeah. you a masochist? Because it's like, what are you doing if you're backing Denver? Are you telling me you're going to back Denver? Uh, no chance. I'm backing Kansas. I think I'm going to no. back Kansas City, despite the fact they don't go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. even though you're about to say you're going to back Denver, and I was like, no chance. Like, it's just it, the reluctance to back Kansas City because, as we said, they they often don't cover the spread. It's a typical kind of Joe play yeah. when they're heavy favorites. But if that came in last time, a double digit win for them, and I think it will again. I think I think they'll double down on that. And the other one, of course, is the 49ers at the Raiders. So that oh, is a double digits me. now, and yeah, uh, no car, of course, as we we've established, um, which means it's the Jarrett Stidham era. Um, interestingly. And this is um this is this baffles me. There's one pick site, right, which has all the writers for that site and their picks. 
And everyone has gone, of course, to the 49ers. This is a straight-up pick, by the way, proper. Not yeah, yeah. One person's gone for the Raiders. That's crazy. What? There's no uh, way. Because I don't know if anyone's going to play for McDaniels at this moment in time. That's my fear. Is I just feel like the Raiders. And I think it's going to be toxic inside that stadium as well. I don't know what. The atmosphere is going to be like it's going to be a uh, it's going to be a spectacle just for that reason. There'll be a lot of 49ers fans in there. There will be a lot of 49ers fans as well. Exactly. So it's basically a home game for San Francisco. But yeah, it's going to be ugly for the Vegas Raiders, I think, in that one. Okay. Do you know what the one I'm really sad about, Nat? Tell me. Uh, I think the Jets are going to win in Seattle this weekend. And I think that Geno Smith has been found out. Yeah, I, de- I definitely think Gino's Gino is they're catching Gino. up with him, right? Uh, yeah, I love but Gino. It, it does seem that that is what has happened, and I know it's a Gino revenge game, mm. but at the same time, I think this secondary we can't talk highly enough about Source Gardner. You've got Mike White back, who's not going to turn over the ball like Zach Wilson has, and his connection with Garrett Wilson will be critical going up against a Seahawks team that has struggled defensively. It's struggled offensively, especially without Tyler Lockett. I think that the New York Jets are going to come out victorious in this game and you'll get yeah. basically a pick em. I think that is one I'm definitely going to look at. The other one is Bears-Lions, the over. I think it's an interesting one at over 52. I know it's a big number. Yeah. But at the same time, these two that. teams played a 60-point game last uh, earlier this season. season. And I think this is obviously in a dome. I don't think the Lions, as we saw last week, will be able to stop fields on the ground. I think they'll be able <laughs> yeah. to get some big plays. And I think Amon Ross and Brown should have a huge game. There's actually two of my prop bets are from that game because of how big it is. And should I just give my, I just give my Drew Lock now? Let's hear it. My Drew Lock of the week. It's going to be the Houston Texans plus four and a half at home against the Jacksonville Jaguars. I know everyone's thinking Jacksonville Jaguars, they've been incredible the past couple of weeks. They're now leading the AFC South. They're one of the hottest teams in the league because of the way Trevor Lawrence is playing. Yes, but this game doesn't matter for them. They can lose this game and they will still have essentially a playoff. This is basically like them playing in the final game of the season before entering the playoffs, knowing that they're going to make the playoffs with the exact same fixture guaranteed for them next week. So there's really not that much to play for. Whereas the Houston Texans, obviously I understand they're probably playing for the number one pick, but Mm. at the same time, we've seen them fight in recent weeks. They obviously got the victory against the Tennessee Titans last week against Malik Willis. They kept it close against the Kansas City Chiefs. Davis Mills playing for his job. When they bring in Jeff Driscoll, he's playing for his job. It's all very much set up for the Houston Texans to be able to keep this tight. And that being said, it's a divisional home game and you're giving them four and a half points. I don't necessarily think they'll win the game, but you're giving me four and a half points, which I believe is too many. I think this could easily be a field goal game. I think even if the Jacksonville Jaguars go up by 21 points in the first half, which could happen with the way Trevor Lawrence is playing, I still think they might start resting players because if anyone gets Mm. injured in this game, going into that play-in game next week, I think that Doug Peterson will be kicking himself and he's too experienced to coach to risk stuff like that. So I think Houston Texans plus four and a half is a good bet. I love it, Propo. I know you messaged at me uh, to be earlier in the week and Lovey has got them playing. My only concern with it is, yes, there's nothing on the line. There's no significance whatsoever for, for the Jags. What does that mean, do you think? Do you think that Lawrence will get yanked at halftime? I mean, what do, what do you think it will actually play out because you hear this a lot i don't necessarily always believe that Mm. when a team has nothing to play for that you should bet against them like that i think the spread pretty much works out as exactly evens when a team Mm. has nothing to play for like i think it is very much like a split down the middle i think this one is slightly different though just because of the fact that they've got next week on the horizon and you've got and they're also favorites you know they're Mm. four and a half point favorites at home like i would even be looking at this bet even if they had something to play for because considering that it's plus four and a half and mm. the Houston Texans have been playing close games in recent weeks and they've been covering spreads and they've been playing decent football with Lovey Smith at the helm. And I think, yes, you can say that it's always a trap to go against a team that has nothing to play for. But at the same time, like I still look at this game as being a relatively close one, even if Jacksonville do have something to play for, because they're still the Jaguars. Their secondary is still a little bit suspect. Trevor Lawrence has been playing exceptionally well this season so far, um, especially in recent weeks. But at the same time, in a divisional game, they're always quite close. There's always prone to a little bit of mistakes. There's a little bit of pressure. And I think the Houston Texans, with the way they've been playing recently, can cause them mm. some problems. I like it. I love it. Love we trust. I mean, he's going to be one and done, but that's just yeah. more barminess from Carly to Lovey to what are the Texans doing? But maybe that will be cleared to us with 2020 hindsight in due course. All right. Uh, let's get Crystal Tom's 
Drew Lock of the Week. Crystal clocking in. The festivities have taken a toll on my voice, but that doesn't stop me from providing my Drew Lock of the Week. This selection is to back the Los Angeles Chargers minus six and a half against the Los Angeles Rams in a West Coast derby. The Chargers have really hit form in the last five weeks by recording four wins, which has helped them clinch a playoff spot. Not only has their offense begun to fire thanks to a receiver room that is getting healthier, but their defense is really showing up now. In their last three games alone, which have come against the Dolphins, Titans and Colts, they have only allowed one passing touchdown. That was a 60-yard bomb to Tyreek Hill three weeks ago when corner Michael Davis fell down in man-to-man coverage. Although the Rams put up 51 points against Denver last week, that's not a true reflection of their offensive capabilities. And if the Chargers continue to play tough football, they should be able to notch another victory and consequently cover the spread. Interesting. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not, not sure. sure. I'm not too... Hey, who are we? Who the hell am I to, to second-guess Crystal Tom? But Baker's balling now. I mean, that, I don't know. That's a big call. That's a big call. Baker's balling, Cam Akers is balling as well, which we've been probably one of Cam Akers' biggest fans on the show. I feel for a long time. I feel like me and you always bring up Cam Akers' name when no one else brings up Cam Akers' <laughs> right. name. So we've right. finally been proven right now because he is playing some exceptional football right now, going up against a team that obviously aren't very good at stopping the run. He makes good points about the fact that the Chargers have only conceded one passing touchdown in recent weeks, but I would yeah. like to say that that has been against the likes of Nick Foles. And uh, who was the other one? I can't remember who the other one was now at this moment in time. Was it the Pittsburgh Steelers? But yeah, so I don't think looking at the opposition that they haven't really faced anyone who will challenge them. I'm not saying Baker will, but at the same time, the Chargers, I've always said it on this show, they're a team that you back as an underdog. Yeah. And they're a team maybe as a short favorite, but never with six and a half points. Did you see Brandon Staley's workout routine before the game, by the way, on... uh, No, I didn't. Monday Night Football. Very suspect. Very suspect. As much as I'm sure it's... You know the um, the cat? The cat one where you go... (laughs) And he was doing it like on the pitch and he thrusts a lot harder than I do when I do. I have to do... I've got a bad back, (laughs) so I have to do the cat the the cat move or whatever it's called but he thrusts like hard now and it is a bizarre thing to be doing whilst you know cameras are going to be on you cameras are on you with no sense yeah. of irony he was doing like hey i'm still in shape I'm, yeah exactly I'm, literally i'm, I'm one of the guys in... yeah exactly so it was uh go and check that out on social media oh, it's very, go very funny that. but yeah i'm never backing him again i don't think I'll i'm gonna go and study the patriots touchdown and that for three hours <laughs> <laughs> Um, while drinking about 15 lem sips. All right. Uh, yeah, it's a brave move. It's a brave move from Crystal Tom. Mm. You know what? I'd like, well, I talked about this with Mike on the review show, right? I like the charges getting fit at the right time, getting healthy at the right time. That's yeah. going to be keeping so many key pieces back. I think they're going to have a bit of edge in the, in the playoffs. And so I get it. I get where he's coming from. Uh, and Crystal Tom needs to get back on, uh, on the right track. Speaking of which, <laughs> with Coco and Pebbles, looming ominously in the background we should also point out and reiterate even if coco and pebbles take things over i'm not so sure that coco's going to have the requisite attention span propo yeah i know that's what you said about me though before we started this <laughs> yeah this is true so i've got a couple you know i like um well you know i like the lions to cover against the bears and you talked about the over in that as well mm. so I do think, as you suggested, feel to run over them again, but I'm a little bit worried. 52 seems a little bit rich, so I'm probably less likely to go for the over. I've got the Lions under a touchdown, minus six, right? It's currently standing mm-hmm. right now. That's how I'm looking at it as a possibility. I do as well like the Giants to cover, but I'm worried about the number there because... Number. I think both of those two games are big numbers. That's my only fear. You're back in Detroit and the Giants at both minus six. The Colts are terrible. The Colts ter- are you, terrible. Will they you are see, terrible. Will you see, because the Falls was so bad, but are you going to see, uh, okay, he's rusty as hell. He's had another week to get his head around stuff. There has to be, well, it can't get much worse, right? But could you're going to see enough improvement from him. No Taylor, the ground game, uh, I, yeah, but it worries me. It worries me to back the Giants, even at home, with the playoffs effectively on the line in that spot. But it's still under a touchdown, so it's tempting. Daniel Jones now, has been playing well. That's the only he, thing you can say. He has been playing well. The other one I liked, uh, now I've been trying to look at the weather report here. So I like both the Vikings, so three and a half, you can get the Vikings at three and a half in some places, three and others from what I can work out. 
Yeah, so I've seen it at three, but I managed, I actually took it last night, Nat, funnily enough, at, at three, three and, and a half, because yeah. I found it at three and a half. Yeah. So I'll give you three and a half if you want to take it. Well, that, yeah, there are two things here, and I'm keen on your perspective. So this is Minnesota plus three and a half over the, over the, over the um, yeah. Packers. And I was looking at the weather earlier on recording today. And this is always a gamble, of course, when you're talking about Wisconsin in December. But it seems okay, the weather, because the over of 48 is interesting to me as well. Yeah. So I think that because the weather's looked a little bit like when I first looked, because I saw the over and I was like, I'll definitely take the over. Then it looked mm. like it was going to rain. Yeah. Obviously, it is going to be cold because it is Lambeau mm. in December. But at the same time, I think that this number still is too tempting to be completely mm. honest with you. Yeah, I also but... think that three and a half mm. is um, like a very decent number to be getting the Packers. Like I think people are slightly overestimating, sorry, three and a half to get the Vikings. The Vikings I think yeah. people are slightly overestimating the Packers. Like I think they obviously won that game against the Dolphins last week, which was very fortunate because of what happened to Tua. And I don't think the game would have materialized in the same way, like the way we saw their secondary play. And I also think they played what the Rams and the pack and the uh, Bears and mm. everyone's a little bit like, oh, the, the Packers are on a three game win streak. They're going up yeah. against the Minnesota Vikings team that only win sort of close games. And you can't rely on that week in, week out. Well, you can rely on that when you break the record for the most wins, most one score wins games. in yeah. the history of NFL. <laughs> yeah. Like, I think yeah, that's right. when you define you can rely on something. And I know Minnesota's <laughs> yeah. passing D sucks. They've allowed, what, 382, 369, 334 yards to Mac Jones, Mike White, and Daniel Jones, respectively. But I also don't think that the Packers' secondary is that decent. So I think yeah. the over's a very good play. And I yeah. also think the Vikings, if you're getting it plus three and a half, this probably will go down to a field goal game. Okay, maybe I don't trust the Vikings that much, but I certainly don't trust the Packers that much. Yeah, either. absolutely. And, you know, I don't know where I sit on this. You know, the Vikings stink. The Vikings the worst, 12 and three or whatever team ever. The fact they're winning a lot of close games, I think, is the measure of a well-coached, well-executed team to, to, some, to some degree. I think this idea that because most of the games have been narrow... That means they're not what because they don't steamroll over the Texans, you know. Uh, you know, I think that's uh, that's overplayed. Basically, look, I don't think the Vikings are going to win the Super Bowl, but I think it's overplayed. Hey, by the way, I hope you clipped up me saying the Packers are definitely making the playoffs from about six or seven weeks ago because that is on, my friend. That is. That I know. Is, I was thinking uh, that you are one of the back, uh, biggest Packers fans out there, and I think they uh, might make the playoffs, but that will only be because everyone else in that conference is horrendous and there's probably too many teams in this playoffs yeah but no one apart i'm the only person that called them <laughs> i should have backed him like i should have backed argentina after they lost to saudi arabia but i, I know that's the one it. i really am oh, about i'm so really annoyed, annoyed about because i thought about, about that as soon as they lost i was like i yeah. really did but then i i thought okay they were actually horrendous their team's yeah. not actually that good but they played one thirty, what unbeaten whatever 32 games before that like why didn't i do that i'm an idiot okay it's down then propo enough of this Jibber jabber. This is down to either the over in the Green Bay Minnesota game or the Lions minus six. I think I'm going to go the over in the Minnesota Green Bay game because I just don't. It's just too too worrying that that both the Lions and the Giants. I think they will come. I will definitely take them. I'm definitely taking the action. I'll probably tease them down to maybe. I might tease those two down both two and a half and see what I get there um, as a double. But I'm going to go over Minnesota Green Bay. Imagine. Yeah, I mean, you've got to look at it. So, like, the Vikings' recent games, 27-24. Vikings-Colts, 39-36. Vikings-Lions, yeah. 34-23. Vikings-Jets, 27-22. Yeah. Like, what, the last five... Vikings-Patriots, 33-26. I mean, literally, their last yeah. five games have all gone over that number. Bills-Vikings, 30-33. Uh, like, realistically, the Vikings play high-scoring games. They play close games. I think either Vikings plus three and a half or the over mm -hmm. is a decent bet. The only fear for the over is if the weather suddenly changes in Lambeau, but I think you should be fine yeah it's a gamble but hey what do i care at this stage of proceedings right I gotta roll <laughs> <Yeah. the dice. laughs> well you're off you're off the show i'm hosting the show with coco and pebbles okay. which... well hang on let's be clear i'm still hosting the show with you let's pick it let's take it over the picks really so, oh I, re I thought it was just gonna be me and coco and pebbles shooting the breeze it'll be a better show frankly <laughs> but again not much focus from coco just to be clear just give you a heads up there it's a, uh, a little bit like working with iron mike right let's yeah. um, <laughs> let's get the taylor hardy yakka the Dolphins let down a four-team special Taylor Heineke Acker last week. Tua's concussion clearly didn't help matters in that regard. Back to keeping things simple this week. The first team to include in Week 17's Taylor Heineke Acker is the Los Angeles Chargers, my Drew Locke. 
Justin Herbert can pile up the points on this Rams defence, while the Chargers D can keep Akers and Mayfield relatively quiet. Second up are the New York Giants to beat the Indianapolis Colts, who have just looked terrible since Jeff Saturday's first victory as a head coach six weeks ago. Their confidence is shot after blowing a 33-0 lead against the Vikings, and given the Giants are still in the playoff hunt, they should come out on top. End the acker with the New England Patriots to beat the Miami Dolphins. A third concussion for Tua should mean Teddy Bridgewater starts for the road team and he's barely played any football this year. You could see a few false starts, miscommunication between himself and the receivers and a downward trend in offensive production. The Patriots have played well against the Raiders and Bengals for the last two weeks. Bill Belichick has a great record against backup QBs and their defence has the third most takeaways in the league this year. Week 17's Taylor Heineke-Acker selections are the Los Angeles Chargers to beat the Los Angeles Rams, the New York Giants to beat the Indianapolis Colts, and the New England Patriots to beat the Miami Dolphins. 9-4 to four with SPK. Well, obviously, I love the Giants. Yeah, Teddy, though. Teddy covers. Teddy covers, yeah. But then, God, Belichick in the mind of Teddy covers. Oh man, it's bold, bold, but I love it from yeah, Mr. bold. I like it as well. I like it, Tom. I think he's gonna have a bounce back week. Speaking of which, before we get out of Dodge, there's five dollars for the charity box. Uh, are you gonna have a Baker Bowl pick? I mean, Teddy Covers necessarily, yeah, it's not a bad shout, it's not necessarily a bad shout. Oh, uh, probably, the, I mean, I, the Texans to a certain extent, and then it's, yeah, I guess it would be but... Vikings. I think at this moment, I mean, the yeah. Vikings again, it's just gone from the number I just looked at, it's gone back to three and a half. Like, Vikings plus three and a half, yeah, I know everyone thinks they're a fraud, but. They're yeah. three games, three and a half points against the Packers, who are also quite fraudulent. Like, I think that's fair enough. I think they'll probably be my Baker Bowl pick. Yeah, I guess. I guess the Bengals would be for me because they're technically... one, a one and a half point spread. I don't think is bold. That's well, my it's underdog. It's a dog pick, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, there aren't that many. My Baker Bowl pick is like that guy from the Athletic who backed the Raiders straight up against the 49ers. <laughs> I, I want to reach out to this guy and find out a bit more. Uh, my uh, yeah. prop bets. So who's your? So, oh, yeah, who prop... you going? so you're going the Bengals. I'm going the Vikings. Is our, our Baker yeah. Bowl picks? Yeah. 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 Props. George Kittle over 44 and a half receiving yards. I think this number is just too low considering the form we have seen from him in recent weeks. Last week, he produced his first 100-yard outing of the season and also notched two scores for the second consecutive game. He Mm -hmm. led the 49ers in targets, receptions, and yardage. He's becoming that safety blanket for Brock Purdy. Has a great matchup against the Raiders as well, so I like this number. My next one, I said there's two. I've got two from the Bears-Lions games. I think it's going to be high scoring. One is Amon Ross and Brown over 76 and a half receiving yards. This is the one I just go back to the well and keep backing because I love this player. He's led the Lions in receptions and targets in the loss against the Panthers last week. And he also ranks fifth in the NFL in receptions. So I expect him to go easily over this number at home against a weak Bears secondary. And the last one is Cole Komet score a touchdown. Bears. Touched. Mm. He yeah he had this should be decent value on this as well. We had two touchdowns when these teams played in Chicago earlier this season, and the Lions actually averaged conceding just less than a touchdown per game to tight end. So I like Komet's chances of getting back in the end zone this week, and I think it should be a decent price as well. So yeah, that's one to keep an eye on. Love that prop. Oh, brilliant stuff. Now, if you're going to get involved, as always, gamble responsibly. Be gamble aware. Dot org. You've got to be eighteen plus. And like everything in life, Propo, moderation is the ticket there. So have fun, but don't go crazy. Uh, Good luck with everything you're wagering. You too, man. I hope it rolls in for you. I look forward to um, the WhatsApp chat during the main slate of games and particularly the WhatsApp chat during the Bengals bills. Uh, Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Trust me. Although to be fair, New Year's Day is also going to be an interesting chat because I mean what stay am I going to be in after that (laughs) 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 may you look after yourself check it next week see you later sports social podcast network